0: Well, welcome to the latest edition of the Grind, where we celebrate doers and men and women who do things and make things and lead things and create things and entrepreneur things, and uh, a place where we can talk about that and the interesting side of uh, creation. Uh, I'm here with my good buddy John Carroll, been really excited to talk to him about um, how that works out in his life um, and all about. Uh, leadership and city leadership and uh, Choose 901 and a bunch of other things he's involved in, consulting, uh, nonprofits. And so, John Carroll, welcome to the podcast, man. Man, thanks for having me, JB.
1: Uh, so much fun to talk with you about almost anything, but uh, you start getting to the crux of some of our favorite subjects that I feel like we spent the last two decades uh-huh. not just talking about, but doing. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so full disclosure, John Carroll and I go way back. Yeah, how, what year was? did you move to Texas? 2000. So 18 years, almost 20 years we've known each other, Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. man, he made the jump to Memphis about the same time I did, and uh, uh, worked at Fellowship Memphis for a while, and then launched out um, uh, to start city leadership, and so give uh, everybody who doesn't have any idea about city leadership, your journey, just a a context, uh, tell us a little bit about um, an overview of city leadership, then I want to get into some real specific questions about th- that journey.
1: Yeah, so city leadership, as you know, uh, is a nonprofit. And so uh, launched out of Fellowship Memphis, uh, we were dreaming and doing some of that stuff inside of Fellowship uh, 08, 09, and then 2010, May 1st, 2010. Made the long trek about 10 feet <laughs> below uh, the old office uh, to the first floor. And um, launched out uh, as a nonprofit uh, in 2010. And so uh, it was all really built around this idea of uh, consulting nonprofits. Didn't think anyone would want to sign up for John Carroll Consulting, Inc. And so uh, codenamed that whole thing and that city leadership uh, brand and name that we had been using around fellowship for a while, kind of as the uh, the other side of the coin of our uh, pastoral residency that actually I did and Brian McCurry and Adam Thomason all back in the day. Um, and then the other side was this city leadership residency. You know, we we're, you know, you remember we were bringing on people to help them, have them help the city right. uh, and learn some of those skills. And then, uh, that idea of, of doing that we thought, well, what if we create an organization uh, that actually did that? And then, um, and then that name, uh, stuck and evolved, uh, into that space. And so, uh, what we do at city leadership is this, is, is we look and try to figure out what are problems that we just don't like. And then we try to figure out what are the root causes of those problems? And then who are the people or organizations working on those root causes? And then we do a thing that I uh, call proactive consulting. And uh, we go knock on those people's doors and we try to figure out if we can help them at all or help them scale or help them get their message out or help them help others uh, or Uh, see if they can do their work more efficiently. Uh, And then um, we're always trying to help those orgs not just develop, uh, but maybe recruit the people uh, that they would want to be a part of that or retain people from Memphis that they'd want to be a part of their mission. Uh, So for an example, Teach for America, uh, trying to recruit or retain teachers or Memphis teacher residency, uh, same deal. Uh, And then uh, we also, uh, our third kind of tent of our organization, uh, besides develop and recruit is to catalyze. And what we really mean by that is we're trying to build trust amongst leaders, uh, who run these organizations so that they run together more efficiently. we we just found that you've got a lot of people across the city doing good stuff and then trying to get them to trust each other and work more efficiently together. And we have just seen unbelievable gains, uh, in that, uh, over the years. And so it's a lot of fun. We focus a hundred percent on Memphis. Um, I get uh, phone calls and emails every single week from uh, all the cities around the country, or begging us to go around and do that. But we get up every day and and think about Memphis, um, and uh, it's a lot of fun to be focused on that. Uh, you know, my original office, as you remember, I mean, it could uh, fit in about a closet. Yeah. You know, but um, uh, but now there's twenty of us, and um, wow. it's a it's been a really really fun run, and.
0: Um, I'm excited about what's in store for the future. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for that. Overcap, uh, really exciting things. uh, City leadership gets to be involved in. Really dynamic staff. Um, I want to go back to the early years, specifically when, man, you left that basement office to head down to Peabody and into the uh, space there, and city leadership kind of had its first offices with your first hires, and um, you were – like launching out to really kind of build this thing Mm -hmm. kind of of take me back there like what what were you thinking what were you excited about Mm -hmm. what were you afraid of you were leading an organization for the first time in your life uh overseeing the budget you know overseeing (laughs) the staff like take me back to some of those early days and and kind of how you thought about things well i think you know um
1: there's there's several different facets of that and how do you get to that and and you know like you're saying and you're alluding to there uh, is that point leadership where uh, you know you're uh, you're the point person where everything you know you know stops uh, with you or starts with you, sort of uh, so to speak, and, and you obviously had a board and and, and those kind of things, but but being the person that's really in charge and having all these people and and then honestly trying to steward those people that that was such a big big complex piece of the puzzle, but I want to rewind just a little bit before that is that. Um, I would have never been ready for that moment if I didn't have all the moments of being a number two mm-hmm. before that. And I think, you know, when we met when I was 22, um, you gave me an opportunity uh, to be a number two. Tony Kim, who obviously mm-hmm. originally part of Fellowship Memphis, I was number two for him as well for uh, back in Texas. And then uh, – and then, Which incidentally, what
0: Tony's doing now is crazy cool. <laughs> crazy cool. <laughs> Basically so runs crazy. Comic-Con and sells yeah. – amazing marble based clothing that clothing <laughs> that he designs. And yeah, I just follow him on Instagram going, Of course. Of course. Of course.
1: It, it, all that nerd awesome stuff that yeah. we did back in the day with all those guys. And so um unbelievable. But then and then moving to Memphis, you know, my first job was working for Mark Ottinger and Tim Burleson. Mm-hmm. And so kind of being right. their number twos um as they were running Ugly Mug Coffee. Uh and then Uh, coming over to fellowship and then being your number two kind of again uh, across the board and so and and what happened was is in that season um, I didn't realize that that all that was really preparing me to be a number one but what I wanted was uh, to experience as much uh, stress and responsibility as possible because I knew that that those were the things uh, that I could build the capacity on right that um, that I couldn't experience every single thing and I and I wasn't uh, going down this path to be a master of one thing. And I knew that I had to be able to handle any sort of problem that could rise up. And what the most common denominator of those things is is, is stress. And and what I really thought uh, is, is that every leader that I respected um, that was doing something awesome, they made it look so easy when it seemed so hard to me. But really, they just built the capacity for the kind of stress of something so awesome in that way. Yeah. And so in those early days... Um, it was a little nerve wracking cause you thought like, oh man, I gotta make a decision. Uh, but, but I'd had so many other experiences in the p- previous 10 years that, uh, I felt confident, um, that, uh, that I could do some of that. Uh, the other side was, is that, uh, th- this was a little two sided piece of this, but, you know, you and I had worked so closely together on so many different things, whether it was working directly for you about, you know, six of those 10 years, uh, or, even kind of around you at Ugly Mug and some of that stuff uh, for a couple of years. Uh, but there was this season where right when we were starting city leadership where I just had to make the call, you know, was I shifting from, uh, from being a warrior who'd been out in the field and kind of doing stuff to, to being the king. And, you know, that's that language that uh, we got from Jack and Jay. Um, and, and I was going through that thing, and, and for so long you had been that king in my life and, and given me – uh, those warrior uh, responsibilities and, and assignments. Uh, assignments and and telling me to do stuff. And I was trying to be faithful, and there was plenty of times I was faithful and plenty of times I totally messed up and, uh, you know, being willing to learn uh, from you and from others in that space. Um, but just uh, that was the real thing was kind of going over that spot where I thought, yes, God has wired me and prepared me to be the king of something and shifting you to being a sage. And then what you're really talking about is when moving that office is when I really started taking on the responsibility of warriors, yeah, yeah. and that's the thing uh, that got me really excited. And I think that uh, I've become uh, really good at because uh, because really all I do is I, I get there and I think uh, like the parable of the talents yeah. is that um, these warriors, these staff members, these people that I've got for this season. Are like you know God's given me five talents, and I can either hand these people their, this season of their life uh, back to them, back to God, and just say I buried it and I yeah. didn't mess them up and they didn't quit and whatever, yeah. or I've invested these people uh, and gone on to this next thing and where they were able to grow and um, and feeling responsible of that. And I think that uh, those are the the talents, right? Uh, God didn't give me a lot of money, but He gave He gave me people uh, to work with. And I think how how can I invest these people for the kingdom and. Uh, and that part gets me super excited.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's exactly where I want to hone in on with you because um, it feels like being around you now that 99% of what you do is through other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you're doing is maximizing, another language we'll use from Strength Finders, but maximizing talented people. Coaching, coordinating them, uh, creating systems that allow them to flourish and and do what they do best every day. And uh, talk about that. Like, talk about what you've grown to learn. Even that idea that you would take on the mantle of stewarding them. Like, I think a lot of leaders wouldn't even think that way. They would think, Hmm. man, my staff is here to make my life easier. Hmm. As opposed to that upside down servant leadership that says, man, I'm here to maximize and flourish these people. Uh, I know you have had to um, recruit highly skilled people who would make a lot of money in the open marketplace and Mm -hmm. convince them to join your cause in a nonprofit salary slot talk some about what you've learned about high performing teams about managing artists whichever direction you want to go like about keeping people focused motivated making sure talented people get things done that whole arena like what are some things you've learned over the last eight or nine years as you've primarily mobilized artists
1: yeah and and we've had a we've had a journey of that at city leadership. It's funny, the, you know, at the beginning we had a very small budget and the impact we want to make, I needed a lot of horsepower. I wanted a lot of people. And, um, you know, we basically had enough to have three full-time staff members. And so, uh, it was me and another full-time staff member. And we, and we took that other salary and we created a city leadership residency. Um, and, uh, we hired, Uh, five people right out of college paid them all a thousand dollars a month uh, to come work for the year and these people had a lot of talent um, and a lot of potential but they had zero experience Mm -hmm. and um, and so that really was that first year my project was those people and their projects were doing those things out there and so from the beginning I knew that if I was going to do something successful I had to make people who hadn't been successful yet successful
0: Mm.
1: and what I found through that is that one, we could be successful. Um, and, and that, you know, uh, we couldn't treat nonprofit work, uh, like so often charity work, like, Oh, well just whatever you do is good enough. No, no, no. We had to treat it as like, you know, we're still in the pursuit of excellence. Mm-hmm. And I think that my staff or my team members and the people I've worked with have always appreciated that about me, even if sometimes it drives them crazy with right. it. Um, but, that we still pursue excellence in the midst of that, no matter uh, if it's labeled nonprofit or for-profit or if we get paid $1,000 a month or $1,000 a day, you know, excellence is the real key. And that's the one thing that w- we want to be really proud of. Um, and the reason why we want to do that excellence is because we're on mission uh, that's uh, not satisfied um, just by finances. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so by putting us on this mission and keeping us focused and, and I think you know. I obviously I had some young people. I, th- I told them, "Hey, this is a this is like getting a master's in a year, and you get this kind of experience. You put this kind of stuff on your resume, you're going to be able to go do a lot of stuff." And mm-hmm. and we, you know, four of those people all landed full time jobs in the, the residency, and one of them we ended up hiring full time. And right. um and so, um so that ended up being really great. Um and well, just
0: think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah. like, you go into a professional relationship. Whether it's residency or staff, like that mentality, like we're going to grow and develop people for, yes. and make them better for their next job. Yeah. So, it, so it's not a let's catch this person and try to hold on to them as long as we can possibly hold on to them. No. Let's say let's let's capture the right people, let's get great work out of them, and let's prepare them for their. Future transition be that in a year or two years or three years or five years and and um, man that's just a totally different way to look at things like man we're preparing people for their next jobs uh, That's well, powerful we,
1: and and man those early years every single employee including myself we all had um our we all had a date that was our last day at city leadership at the time and that's why we used to do it because I wanted people thinking. Uh, you're on a mission. This is a season of your life. Give all you've got, you know, but you, there's other things coming down the pike for you, and especially those young people. You, uh, you just know you're hiring so many 22 year olds. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, they're not all staying until they're 70, yeah. you know, and you're not going to give them a gold watch or something. <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? And so, um, and, uh, and really what you want is you want them making a bigger impact, but you know that if they believe in themselves in that space, that um, it's another piece of the puzzle of them giving all they've got because they believe that they're going to get something out of it. Yeah. And it's not just for the paycheck. That's one of the things I, we pay pretty well. You know, we're a nonprofit. We can't compete, you know, with the fortune 500 companies or anything like that. Uh, but we also, you know, we're not, you know, uh, paying at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, but, but what we do say at our office a lot is that, you know, we're on mission. We're not being, um, you know, we're not doing the money and one of the things that we do is part of our culture. Uh, that's another piece of this puzzle. It's not just, you know, hey, uh, we're doing this job for excellence. Uh, we're we're preparing ourselves for our next season as well. In the midst of this, uh, we believe in this mission and we want to be on it. Um, but we're not rewarded with money. And so, uh, one of the things that we do that's a little bit different in our culture um, uh, that people really uh, start to capture on, and every time we do an interview, and I explain this to, it, their eyes just light up. Whatever, uh, but I, we don't pay people; uh, they don't work, and then we and then pay them. Uh, we pay them first. And so, um, if you started work with us on November first, the very first day you work with us, you get paid. You get paid a paycheck. And so we call our paycheck fuel. We have a fueling system, and and pay is one of the things we use to fuel you. Mm. And so we say, if you want to be on mission with us and we want you to be on mission with us, we're going to fuel you to be on mission. And so we're going to give you all the resources you need so that you don't have to be stressed out or worried or not coached or not trained or don't have the right insurance or whatever so that you can come to work distraction-free as much as we can provide mm-hmm. um, and get after it. Yeah. And so we pay yeah. first, then you work two weeks. Then yeah. we pay again, then you work two weeks. Yeah. And, and it's a little thing, right? I mean, you still get a paycheck every two weeks just like everybody else, a little bit, but just mentality, we yeah. put it back and say, man, this is fuel for the mission. You're on mission with us for this next season. And, we, and then we kind of cr- create this uh, date in the future that you're saying – uh, I'm committed to this mission uh, for this for two years, for three years, for 18 months, for whatever, and it's just a time where we can we can say, "Hey, let's let's do this together," uh, and people really really get into that. Wow,
0: that's great. Yeah. Well, what what else would you say is part of that fuel or that you found mm-hmm. that really helps? Productive people be super productive for a lot of hours of the week. Uh, well,
1: as we've grown, it's been management. Um, mm. You know, um, you know, back in the day, the group was small enough, and it just kind of a lot of it ran off my adrenaline and and just me energizing people and coming in and being like a shot of caffeine in the arm and keeping projects kind of spinning and right. that kind of stuff. Uh, but now with so many people, um, it's been a man. It's been having great management, and so. Uh, Grant Edwards, who's one of my best friends, met him down in Texas. When we were down there. Um, goes to fellowship. Um, he um, he's uh, the number two at City Leadership, and we would not be the quality of organization we are without him. Uh, but he, um, you know, he really manages us towards achieving the goals that we want to do. And then he has a team of managers um, that he just pours into, holds accountable, resources them. Um, you know. I mean, makes them feel encouraged in unbelievable ways uh, and just holds them to our excellence of standard. And then those people are obviously now providing management to other people. And, um, you know, it's it's hard because we're 20 people. So it's not like I don't know everybody and I can't right. see everybody and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, everybody just really needed strong management. And, and that part uh, was really, really great. The other thing that we do – Let me let – me, yep.
0: let's stay right there for a second. Let's, let's demystify management. So, like, what are specific things Grant does that you see are secret sauce in getting projects done, people productive, people happy, and on pace and highly productive? Like what – so, like, break down management into actual things he does.
1: So um, one of the things we say around our office all the time, we've got um, – couple of different mantras, and one of them is, is that uh, discipline leads to freedom, hmm. and what we believe about that is that if if everybody on our staff pursues freedom, because we, we talk about freedom a lot, we want everybody to have all the freedom they want, but if you pursue freedom, we say that free pers- the pursuit of freedom uh, leads to chaos, mm-hmm. and if everybody just pursues freedom... Everybody- but discipline leads to freedom. If we all pursue a high level of discipline, that we all get the freedom we want. And we can look at this professional athletes all the time. You yeah. know, professional athletes are the most disciplined people in the world. And then they have all the freedom on the basketball court yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you and I don't have, yeah. right. <laughs> you well, know, LeBron
0: makes things look easy because they are easy to him. They
1: are completely yes. easy, right? Yes. Like he the spent reason
0: 10,000 hours in the gym. Yes. And the, the working
1: I watched it. It. NBA.com released the top 10 plays of the year last year. And six of them were LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's unbelievable what he's doing, but he's the most disciplined athlete, maybe in the world, you know, or whatever, and um, definitely in basketball. And it's unbelievable he commits to that, but he has so much freedom on the court, um, you know. And obviously has a lot of talent and he's gifted with a lot of stuff, but is taking that talent and putting it through the rigors of discipline gives him all the freedoms. And so, um, one of the things in our management structure is that one of the things we talked about is culture: is that discipline leads to freedom. And then we point back to that in our management structure is just we call people towards, hey, um, let's be disciplined um, in communicating uh, our deadlines for projects and staying on them. Yeah. You know, um, and it's not about that a project can't be late. It's just about we want to get as much stuff done as possible. And so I don't want to over redline us all the time. Yeah. Um, but what honestly, what fears me more is not the redlining because people will come to my office and complain about the redlining. Right. It's uh, when we're just running in first or second gear, yeah. um, because you don't ever get that time back. You know, uh, you redline and you do twice as much as you should do in six months. Well, I can give you two weeks off and yeah. you can come back and whatever. And we're yeah. still in the in the black on all sorts of positive qua- right. quantity of stuff, right? Uh, you stay in first or second gear for a whole year before anybody realizes it, or you develop bad habits of that kind of stuff, and uh, all of a sudden now you don't have. Um, you've only done 10 of the 50 things you could have done and we can't get that year back yeah. and so uh, grant um, uh, calls to a high-level discipline and he's incredibly consistent mm. and honestly that's who he is as a person uh, yeah, absolutely. you know uh, he's an unbelievably disciplined person and he's unbelievably consistent and then he is really great with people he's yeah. a kind right. person on top of that and so his so to demystify the whole thing is that um, he's consistently kind holding people to discipline to, and
0: to probably deadlines they agreed to to de- and that yeah. they actually yeah, set yeah, they yeah. set
1: them, and then he's just keeping them to that space um, and then he's you know willing to have those tough conversations uh, you know when they're not and then he's also willing to celebrate them and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that uh, we've done is that um, you know, you've been to our offices and some of these people may be listening have been to our offices, but we created, uh, we call them mission boards. They're they're kind of dashboard scoreboards all over the office. And everything we do, uh, we always say is it's, it's got to have a, a due date. Uh, it's got to be measured and it's got to have somebody responsible, right? So who's responsible? Uh, how are you measuring it uh, getting done and when's it due? And then on these boards, you can see that all happening live. And it's not about, um, it's not about bragging to clients. We don't have no, no clients are coming in here and picking us because they see something on a dashboard. We want our our team to be able to go, man, we're hitting our numbers. Everything's in the green, or we're hitting uh, – things look in the red. And we want some accountability from other people's staff because we've got all these different departments, and they're able to go, wow, look at the recruiting team. Teaching recruiting is way up, right? Uh, or, uh, man, their own projects uh, are either way up or way down, and that's all public. Yeah. And so we, we just – Made it real simple to put a number on it on a scoreboard. And again, we demystify. So you're on your computer all day long and you're like, how are things going? Good. Well, then why are we 20 points in the red compared to this time last year? Oh, well, maybe it's not good, you yeah, know? Yeah. Or, uh, man, I walk through there and I see that we're 80 people ahead of where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, I'm not just looking at that and going, okay, good job. I'm going, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, hold on, Luke. You know, whoever, Travis, Joy, Keenan, who did this? Yeah. Who got this thing? And so, and I'm making a big deal of it and just stopping from it and yelling. This is
0: awesome. It's, it's ammunition you know? for your affirmations. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's
1: authentic because yeah. they can, can see it. Them to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's not me just going, Hey, I feel like you're doing a good <laughs> job. Like yeah. you are doing a good job. And then it gives me the confidence to be like, yeah, they are doing a good job. Right. And it allows me to give them, you know, because their discipline leads to that more freedom of yeah. just putting it up there. And so, um, but yeah, uh, management uh, has been a, a big piece. they needed it. They were calling for it. There were some I mean we got to a, I don't know don't say a dark season. We just got to a sloppy season where um, I wasn't able to fulfill all that and I wasn't the right person for all that because I wasn't holding them to the things. Every time a meeting I got into, I was trying to make it, I was trying to maximize it, yeah. make it bigger. Whatever idea I had six weeks ago, now I had a new one, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I get, they pull me out of those meetings. You get one chance to try to maximize it. And then yep. they're like, you know, <laughs> stay, stay away from us, you know? And so, uh, so demystified, some of that was just realizing where I was creating problems and where my voice and my presence was too heavy, um, to allow those people the freedom. And that's been one of the big things as you're talking about developing the artist is getting out of their way. Mm. You know, it's so funny is at the beginning, I did everything. You know, um, uh, I ran every event, sent every email, tweeted every tweet, you know, uh, designed everything. I was doing graphic design and websites and whatever. Now, I couldn't get hired to do any of the jobs in my office, right? No. The people who do them are so much more talented than I could ever. Like, like literally, no one on, their, on a team would want me to do that role for that team, you know what I'm saying? Because I, they'd have to be somebody more talented in that space. Um, but my job is just to really help create that efficient system and encouragement and call them to that big pace mm-hmm. and that bigger goal of saying how far are we going to go, how fast, you know, and making sure they've got the resources yeah. to do it. You That's know?
0: cool. Hey, one question I got is, um, so the tension we manage, right, between a, fr- a free culture, nobody's punching a clock, like how do you all talk about, especially being in Crosstown, like feel free to go downstairs and work on a project for two hours and not be in our office verse uh, like well so i'll just share personal like sometimes i come up here we're in the fellowship offices now and everybody's up here and i'm like man who's doing ministry and out there meeting with people and having lunches and why are y'all <laughs> all up here yeah. And other days i come up here and nobody's up here and i'm like where is everybody what are they doing you know what i'm saying you know. and uh, and so i don't even know the answer to this question but just how do y'all how do y'all manage in office free free sp- Have you learned, man, it's better if we're all here most of the day? Or do people have freedoms to go work on something upstairs for a couple hours? How does that work for you all?
1: And, man, that's evolved over time, um, you know, uh, over our eight years where uh, it used to be really, really, really free, really, really open. And now we've actually come back and tried to put a little bit of expectations, more of just so that there's people are consistently there at similar times just for meeting structure. Um, and um, and there's some different aspects of that. One of the things we did was we realized that uh, having a larger staff, we have different personality types, and some of them really thrive in a well-structured office mm-hmm. with their teammates. And, and so understanding that about a third of my office, you know, can really go to a whole nother level in a great office with their teammates yeah, around. There. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and about a third of them, would probably rather be at home on their couch and may actually even be a little more productive. I don't know if they'd be way more productive, right. um, but they might be a little more productive if they were home on their couch four days a week or yeah. something. Um, but what we found is, is if we create the right space, it really works. So at the beginning, uh, we only had enough people where um, everybody was kind of doing their own thing. So there weren't like two people working on communications or two people right. working in development or two people working in research or four people working on it work. There was like one person. Yeah. So if that person went to the coffee shop and did their work and wasn't at the office, it didn't matter as much. Right. And so I gave a ton of freedom back there in this, in that space. Like when we were on Peabody or even when we were downtown, um, you know, where they, where they could go wherever. Now, one thing I did was always try to make the office so cool yeah. that, that they'd want to be there. Yeah. Uh, and I invested in a place. Uh, they did that. You can see that happening right now in sports franchises. Mm-hmm. I know that's our second sports reference here, right. or third or fourth or whatever, but Man, they make these locker rooms unbelievable, yeah. you know, um, and they're they're making big investments because they want uh, the players to want to be there and be in that space and be in that whatever. And I find the same thing is that, I mean, when we invest in our office, um, they want to be there. Yeah. Um, and it's not just about investing just in toys and ping pong pl- tables. Like I've got a ping pong table, hardly ever gets played on. Yeah. Just a great desk a yeah. great uh, chair de-
0: demystify that so yeah. what are some actual things you've intentionally done to the city leadership offices <laughs> yeah. uh to make it a place you want to be a, a cup you want to grab yes. a snack you want to eat yes. right most nonprofits yes. don't have snacks or they're terrible like so like talk, yes. demystify that for some leaders out there who may want to
1: so one, the office just looks cool yeah and and, and I, that was important to you not only was it important to you that it it basically costs the same for it to look cool versus just to look stale, like you, because when we simplified it, like yeah. you're just, it was just very thoughtful in the way it looked, right? Uh, and so, uh, so when you look at, it, it looks cool, and so you feel like you're walking into someplace important, and that's been true of all three of our offices, and it's hit that stage and season in our life now. Yeah. You know, the one two ago, two offices ago, you might walk in there and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you really worked here, but it looked really cool for us then. Everybody was so impressed when you walk yeah, into yeah. it.
0: That was the house on Peabody? Yeah, the
1: house on Peabody. And, and then we downtown, the old building downtown. Yeah, downtown yeah. was awesome. Twenty foot ceilings and hardwood yeah. floors and street level downtown, and it was am- and People wanted to come in there, and yeah. we lo- loved hosting clients there. And so, like, not only did my employees like being there, yeah. they like to bring their friends there yeah. to yeah. show them off to that place. And so they're just really proud of it, yeah. and they're just somewhere where they feel confident all day long. Right. You know, um, one of the things I used to, uh, you know not dress as nice as I dress now. I don't dress super nice, but you just feel more confident, yeah, right? When totally. you dress, and the same thing happens in office, right? You, yeah. you just feel confident into that space. Uh, so one, it looks nice. But then two is just like, well, I don't want to compete with Starbucks for coffee. Like I'd rather have them here. Like, yeah. and it's way cheaper for me to have this coffee here because honestly, if they're buying Starbucks every day, well, yeah. then they need to get paid more. That's right. <laughs> and so they're right. going to be begging because if they're spending two thousand dollars a year on Starbucks, they're going to yeah. be asking for a raise. Well, it's a lot easier for me just to have really great coffee. Yeah. And not only do we have really great coffee, we got our we like paid two hundred dollars on Amazon and got a really cool grinder. So like grinds it, makes it smell awesome. Yeah. We we spent four hundred dollars on a brewer. And we just have those those big uh, uh, insulated uh, coffee things, and so like, man, we just have great coffee. And then I don't know exactly how much we spend. I'm gonna guess uh, forty bucks a week. We've got twenty people on staff. Maybe we spend forty bucks a week, maybe fifty. We just have great snacks, like healthy snacks. And one of the things we did years ago was I just we we got rid of all the sugared drinks, and uh, we just and we got rid of. Uh, we used to all we used to have is just like cokes and candy yeah, and that's yeah. what we thought but maybe we went the other way around we just mm-hmm. got uh we went to healthier stuff good snacks organic snacks some things that people just wanted to eat wanted to be a part of, and then and they can just have it they can have as much as they want and yeah. and there's never like a Snyder mark like you're eating a lot of those going yeah, to have right. to man I'm going to have to raise that budget like right. like if you're going to be here working and yeah. a snack will help feel great right, yes, right and yeah. so like uh so those little things are easy um Chairs, man, one of the big things, man, just having a great office chair where, you know, you, you, our desk you can stand at, or they've got these high level chairs that you can you can sit at them. And so giving them that option because they don't want to sit all day. Uh, but two is just having a really, really nice chair. And so I think our chairs are four or 500 bucks a piece. Yeah. Sounds crazy when you can get a $69 chair at Office Max. But if you ever sat in a $69 chair in Office Max for five years, right. It's miserable. Yeah, they fall apart yeah. and they look terrible and they whatever. And so, um, but to be comfortable all day long and and not have to think when you're doing your work, my back hurts, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Or, um, you know, whatever. And so, uh, and it just adds to the look and feel of the space. You know, uh, we got big monitors for every single uh, place. Uh, you know, got uh, really easy. Uh, one of the things we did is, I don't know, 19 bucks a desk or something, but we ordered extra computer plugs. So when you walk in, you don't have to get out your charger and unravel it all or bring your charger from home. Like it's just right there. You just plug it in and it it works. Like, and so like just simple things, uh, like that, uh, you know, and then, um, you know, and then we created some other spaces in our own office. Uh, like we created this little area called, we call the library. We created a little, uh, area, like a little bar. You can look outside and we created like a living room. That's like a meeting room, but, Just giving access to people, they can just go sit in those different places, and so you know it's just like sitting on your couch at home, or you can have a little meeting or whatever. Um, And then we saved a ton, a ton of money, JB, by not giving everybody their own office, which is has its pros and cons. And 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 talk about
0: those because I know everybody's wrestling with how much common space, how much individual offices.
1: Yeah, and and I really wanted our people working together and I understand that at points there's distractions for that but we haven't reached a point in our office culture where it would be better to take the coals and put them in 20 separate rooms instead of lumping them up together and hoping that the fire burns harder. Yeah, yeah. Um and there's some of that that can be a distraction. There we do have some personality types that's harder for. And that's why we create some of those other spaces around there or we have a thing we have a thing in our office where we say you know, one full day or two half days, you can work from anywhere, uh, uh, and no questions asked uh, every single week. But we try to get you in the office the other uh, days of the week, um, and just more so we can get the the flame hotter. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, but one of the things we did in that space is that you think about sound. Well, crazy enough, it you know, you hire professionals, they whatever like you know we've got a phone booth room If you make a phone call. Crosstown's so awesome you can walk around and yeah, so you yeah. can go do that kind of stuff. Uh, we've got kind of a front porch outside our office you can go hang out and make phone calls on. Uh, but one of the best investments I make is when you first start with us, I just say, go on Amazon or wherever you shop, or whatever, and buy whatever you want, the nicest cordless headphones you want. Awesome. Right? Yeah. So whether that's like the little $150 Apple AirPods, yeah. or if that's the $250 Beats, Bose, Bose Beats yeah, or whatever yeah. that cover your ears and, the, and the, that are the silent proof, or whatever. Yeah. That's you know,
0: cheaper than building an office for that guy. You, every one of those offices
1: would have cost me thirty grand, yeah, right? Yeah. And and then the square footage and right. the whatever and the furniture and everything right. else. Uh, but uh, you can uh, you just onboard them on with a yeah. hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars headphones. And and here's the thing: when they get those headphones, they think it's like oh, this is the coolest place in the world. Right. Because you know what? I don't make them do leave the headphones at their desk. Right. So. Man, they go on a trip to the beach, take your headphones. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're your headphones. Nobody else is going to put those in their ears, you know, anyways. And so take them wherever you want to go. But that created a space where you can get in your own space and look at your own screen and really uh, get after it. Um, And the other thing that you can see in that open space is there's some accountability. So you can see if people are just –
0: from Facebook or actually working on a project. Yeah, they don't have
1: their, you know, and so uh, everybody's got, you know, you can see what they're working on and so, um, and, and it's efficient, right? Hey, does this look good? Yes, yeah. okay, cool. I can go right back to work. I don't have to hope that I see you and come by the office. But That's one of the um,
0: secret sauces of a highly collaborative office. So when, is the instant feedback. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all, do y'all like this or that? You yes. think we ought to get yes. the Levitt Shell service at 10.30 or 10 or 11? Yes. What argument would you yes. make? And just instantly get feedback. So I love that aspect of it.
1: And one of the things that we found was um, we created a flag system. I say we created it. Uh, I, I saw it online 12 years ago. Some other company did a blog post about it. And um, we had these little polls and we got these flags or our logos. And so basically if the flag is up, means do not disturb unless there's like a fire in the building you know if the flag is down like i want to see whatever youtube video and that dog or whatever it is on you know uh, instagram whatever it is show it to me and if it's in the middle it's more like hey i'm working but if you need me and and so that allows people to zone in a little bit more so by creating um, that Uh, and then the other thing we did digitally was um we've moved a ton of our work and communication to slack uh, removing email because email was becoming so bogged down with so many different things and threads, and so uh, putting Slack into our system. All our employees every single day put next to their name where they're at that day. If hmm. they're uh, if they're working from a coffee shop, working from home, if you know if they've got the dentist, or or if they're with a client, or if they're on the road recruiting in Atlanta or speaking yeah. in DC or whatever it is. So if I'm if I look out in the office, I don't see Luke. Yeah. I don't have to call or text him, or whatever. I can just look on Slack and I can see awesome. where he's at because yeah. he's he's putting that in there. And then I can send him a message right there in Slack and it sits in sits in that space. Uh, and so even uh, we find a lot of times, we got a lot of people that work literally shoulder to shoulder together. And instead of tapping and interrupting the person next door, they'll just put a message in Slack. Yeah. Hey, when you have a minute, I yeah. want to talk to you about this. Yes. And then that person, when they want to yeah. – can address that and come back into that whatever and it doesn't have to be you know this hey hey hey, hey right. and yell this interruption all day long it puts the control in the other person that you're interrupting and yeah. uh i get message I, yeah i have actually I have my own office me as a meeting room as well and so i have a ton of meetings in that room but i'll be in there working and four or five times a day i'll just get a slack message uh, that i look over and it's um i need four minutes when you get a chance i need yeah. you know i need 12 minutes and mm-hmm. um which is a whole nother thing about not creating hour-long meetings yes. for four-minute conversations right. uh, which is a big big efficiency issue um but um and they and i don't have any you know I don't, I don't sit all day long at my desk so i just make them come in stand at my desk yeah. get four minutes and then yeah. whatever. but i'll just like them back like ready when you are just come on yeah, in yeah, you know yeah. and uh, and so they don't have to come interrupt me they don't have to whatever and then, and then here's the other thing: having enough trust with each other to know that I think you're awesome, I think you're great. And if you come by my desk and you ask to interrupt me, and and if I just shake my head no, or I put my hand up and I don't even look at you, that doesn't mean that I don't like you. It doesn't mean I don't re- I don't I'm mad at you. It doesn't mean I don't respect you. You just happen to catch me yeah. in an open office environment where I'm you're busy, right, right. and if you'll just give me another minute, whatever. Yeah. And and it. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, yeah. and you just trust me in that. Yeah. And the thing is, I want to talk to those people, yeah. but if I stop what I'm doing in this moment, it's yeah. it's, it's going to be crazy. And so, having that amount of trust, yeah. you know, um, we say in our office. Another thing we say, besides discipline leads to freedom, then you'll hear it, it, multiple people in our office say every single day, um, trust equals efficiency. Yeah. And um, and so, not only internally, am i always trying to create trust building uh, activities for our own staff, you know, in that space. Uh, but really with our clients and our mission, we really believe is that our office is a trust factory. We say that's what we do every single day. We get put on our hard hats and we make trust for a living. We try to get uh, partners to trust each other in their work. We try to get the city to trust uh, these nonprofits, try to get these nonprofits to trust the city, we try to get for-profit companies to trust the nonprofits. We try to get Memphians to uh, trust each other. You know, um, And we're always trying to build trust, um, but that is so true inside our office as well is, that, uh, is if we can build that trust. And so then all the way back to How do you let them get out of the office and how you let them do whatever? Is uh, is it, I just try to hire people on the front end, I'm going to trust and I'm going to assume the best of you. And so I don't need to, like, if if I've got to look over your shoulder or I've got to hire a manager to look over your shoulder, you're too expensive of an employee, anyways. I could have two people doing the work and I could probably get 50 to 60% more work than have one person that nobody trusts that you have to look over their shoulder. And so, by setting public deadlines yep. you know, uh, and, and keeping that uh, pace, that quantity on is that you know, they're getting the work done. They have regular check-ins with all that discipline. Um, and then you give them that trust and that freedom for them to get after it. And then they know, they trust that they can come with any questions and they're not stupid. Like if they get stuck, well, of course they should ask yeah, me, yeah. right? Like, of course. And they should have, like, I'm the, I'm the maximizer. I yeah. should come and help them. Like, that's my, I don't know how to make a video, but I can make it better. Yeah. I don't know how to make a website, but I can make it better. Before I can tell know, you that's not a good video. Yeah, that's or I a can tell you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, uh, but, and they're not bothering me in that right. space. Like, I'm hoping that they'll ask me that yeah. stuff. And so that's a big, you know, um, but they trust me to do that. And then they can go do all that all day long and, yeah. and get after it. And if they need to go, you know, work from the beach for a week. That's totally fine for yes. me. Yeah. You know, uh, if that's part of them just detoxing. Um, right. Because yeah. that's a, the other thing is, is our bigger problem is oftentimes, I'd say 90% of our staff they're not taking enough time off. Right. They're so invested in the mission. They so want what's happening. They're so they believe whatever that they've just been looking for a place where they can be unleashed on the mission. Who's going to give them enough fuel so they can do this? Yeah. And we're sitting in our six-month alliance meetings. Um, that's what. We, call our uh, staff or not our, uh, in, like per, instead of performance reviews, we, we call it an alliance. Yeah. It's an alliance between me, that person and the organization where the, um, that person is an alliance where they want the best for their organization's mission and the organization wants the best for that person. Like yeah. they want yeah. both to that. succeed. Yeah. And in these alliance means one that almost every single one of them, Grant and I are going, all right, when are you going to take a vacation? Yeah. I need you to go ahead and put that on the calendar, you know, because you're not taking time yeah, off yeah. and and what a good thing yeah. to wrestle with on that. Yeah. So.
0: I had one of our young leaders last Thursday just text me that morning and says, man, I really need a personal day. And I was like, absolutely take it, you know? And then before I left the office Friday, I just texted him and said, man, I'm so proud of you for taking a personal day. Like yes. one of your leadership challenges is working too hard, overcommitting, you know, and mm-hmm. then getting bitter and frustrated and mad and, um, 'Cause you're not pacing yourself like you're in this for the Lord will in the next four decades, five decades, yeah. like and self management and understanding when you need breaks and rhythms. The rhythms of rest uh is so important. And so yeah, you, you alluded to it in our twenties and thirties we tend to just run on adrenaline and, yeah. and then uh then as your energy Start, start managing energy. Yes. In the 40s and 50s and uh, not quite 50, at least in your 40s. And uh, <laughs> I'll speak for 40 or somethings. But yeah, this decade has been learning to manage my energy, realizing mm-hmm. that I've got to bring. Stewarding a- is
1: a great resource. Yeah. It's this unbelievable resource you have.
0: Life is unbelievably consistent in that. Like my yeah. kids, I got to be a dad tonight. And they yeah. don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Grumpy dad or tired <laughs> dad or whatever. Yeah. Like, like. Health only works with eating out and, you know, consistently uh, exercising and just uh, learning to just, man, I've got to manage a lot. My world, Sunday's come around with amazing regularity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. there are, and it's just, yeah, all, that's that's another podcast. But just interesting that how we, uh, as leaders, manage our energy so that we can flourish for the long haul. Mm-hmm. It becomes a massive, feels like it becomes a massive issue.
1: Yeah. I'd um, you know, that energy is something is just how to encourage and steward and then trying to keep a litmus test for when they're wherever like, um, we've had 35 or 40 or so full-time employees over the eight years. You know, we've got 20 now, but we've had, you know, obviously people come and go. And I'd say there's three or four, right. that just weren't good fits. Um, yeah, either they were so passionate about what we're doing, but they just didn't have a a talent that worked out right. And even if I wanted them to, and I thought I could find it, you know, and, and that that's been hard. Um, but the people who take advantage of some of those systems, usually what it is is somebody who just – um, I thought they were taking advantage of it. I can look back, though, and go, they didn't have the right management structure to help them deal with the amount of freedom and trust mm-hmm. that we gave them. Yeah. We were giving them trust and freedom that they just had never had to yep. steward at that kind of level before, yep. and it almost is paralyzing. Yeah. And what I realized is I had to give a better, I had to give more discipline to get them to that freedom spot, you know, Um, and that really mattered. But then the last thing you're talking about is just like stewarding that energy, stewarding that passion, you know, just really trying to wrestle and realizing like um, they're so caught up in the mission that. Uh, they get emotionally on a roller coaster with their own work and their own stuff and especially with artists as you were saying is that you know they want it to be so perfect and they want it to be right and they want it to be you know really really well done and you're wrestling with that and you're trying to help them go hey hey listen you know y- this is going to be okay yeah. and you do have to go and be a dad tonight or go and yeah. be a mom tonight or go and be a wife tonight or a husband tonight or just be a friend tonight right. and um and so you need to be able to manage that but the other thing is, is that we got going to really, really, this isn't, this is a little battle in the midst of a bigger war that we're doing here mm-hmm. and helping people who are so passionate and they love what they're doing. One of the things that we have to wrestle with is, is reminding them that a lot of what they're doing is disposable still. Mm-hmm. And in, especially in the social media world that we spend a lot of our time in as an organization is connecting with people on social media is just reminding people that in social media, um, Perfection is really our enemy, yeah. because it it really hurts us on quantity, yeah. uh, and, and the quality level isn't expected to be perfect. Right. And it's hard for a lot of times my artists to go, I, I, I see perfect as attainable in whatever they're one little thing doing, but that becomes a paralyzation piece of yes. it. And for them to trust that in the long run, a hundred really, really good posts yeah. is more effective than 10 perfect ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this disposable media age, yeah. or a hundred really good videos yeah. is more important than 10 perfect ones yes. in this disposable media that's age. Right. Right. And and that's one of the things that we're wrestling with across our board, everywhere we're going, because you don't want to, I I don't want perfection to come off the table. I, I don't want them to whatever, but I don't also want them to think that perfect and excellence are the same thing. That's right. And that's where we continue to wrestle with it in our culture going, yes, drive for perfection, but, once you've achieved excellence yeah. ship and yeah. get to the next project yeah. Seth you know's
0: been preaching that to us for a couple of decades <laughs> right just yeah. ship it man get yeah. it out there get know? it out yeah. there yeah.
1: because there's just there's so many orgs there's so many people there's so many things waiting need more help like yeah. we've got a laundry list you know I tell people all the time is that you know at the beginning I, I couldn't get people to return my phone calls yeah. uh, but now you know we turn down more work every month than we could do in a year Wow so I mean like I mean if we had nothing on our plate, yeah. You know, I, I say no to more stuff, yeah. and that's really uh, what's uh, become kind of my full-time job is yeah. uh, saying the right yes and the and the right 99 no's, Yeah. You know, uh, out, yeah. Of a, out of out of a hundred times, and, and, and just trying to find the right yes. Yeah. That'd uh, be an interesting podcast. Yeah. just
0: Thinking through, man. Yeah. How, how do I decide on what projects fit mm-hmm. us and mm-hmm. where we have return on effort and. In or in our wheelhouse and all that kind of stuff. Well, just, man, as we kind of – I was going to say round third and head for home, but that's our fifth sports analogy. As the <laughs> curtains close um, <laughs> on this episode, a uh, couple things. One, give give us just a, a the scope of city leadership's work, whether that's website views or Twitter followers or just kind of what what's this massive engine become as far as its reach. Yeah, um, man, it's
1: I, – I, I don't – have them off the top of my head. These are in general kind of stuff. But, you know, one of the big things we're seeing right now is obviously just Instagram. I yeah. mean, and, and Instagram so much fun with our millennial audience. Um, uh, but it's really reaching continually up uh, upward uh, into other age brackets, which is important for us because, you know, 65 um, percent of people graduating from college says that, you know, the number one voice they're listening to on where to move after college is their parents. Wow. And so we've got to focus so often on 45 to 60 year olds, because they're the voice that's really two thirds of the time deciding where Mm -hmm. these college students move. And so, um, you know, our real window of influence is like 18 to 28 and then like 48 to 58, you know, and so um, uh, where we're trying to impact. But, you know, Instagram, 75,000 people engaged on Instagram and, you know, they got all those algorithms on who they're showing stuff to. But it's fun. We had some stories the other day where, you know, you're getting to see that 10,000 individuals are watching some of these videos that you're putting on Instagram. And which pretty crazy, right? You know, we'll put a video on YouTube and you know maybe uh, two or three thousand people might see it that week. We put a video on Instagram, and ten thousand people might see it in the next twenty four hours. Wow. You know, and before it deletes forever and yeah, is gone. Yeah. You know, and so you're like, uh, and it, you know, if that would have been stayed up there for a month, right? Uh, you know, yeah. you might you might have gotten a hundred thousand people to watch it. And so, uh, so it's pretty cool uh, seeing that kind of impact and watching how people say it. And I'm always amazed everywhere I go in town, you know, people are like, oh, I saw that on whatever, and I can't even keep up with it all. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so that kind of, that kind of scope is really interesting. You know, I think the number is somewhere around 30 something thousand individuals a day in Shelby County get on our website. Wow. Um, and, um, and then, At one point, you know, we were at this kind of monthly thing of about 300,000 unique devices, you know, uh, in engaging with our media monthly from Shelby County and not just on our website, but different kind of stuff. And uh, crazy enough – I I think it it makes us the largest kind media outlet in the mid south in the sense of breadth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe not in the number of um, you know in the frequency of connections because that might be one connection versus where you might connect you know every single day with like the Daily Memphian or something. Um, But in the breadth of that, and then what's really unique about it is that a lot of our audience just doesn't get their information from anywhere else locally. Mm. You know, so they, they look at CNN, they look at ESPN, they might look at people or some other kind of thing to get right. some tabloid kind of news, but locally choosing nine one's the only thing they're getting. They're not watching wow. any evening news. Yeah. They're not subscribing to any papers. And, 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 or they're the only other time they get local news is from Twitter or Facebook. Their yeah. friend posts something that someone else, whatever posts on there. And so, um, so not only do we have this gigantic, large engagement yeah. of, um, you know, 300,000 people out of our county, yeah. um, uh, but we have a really unique engagement that nobody else is, is, a, is a part of. And so um, and this all like, really happened by accident. Yeah. You know, um, you know, our goal when we started this whole thing was to convince, you know, sophomores and juniors in college to apply to these residency one to four year different residency programs by a dozen different programs or come teach in Memphis. Yeah. And as we've tried to advocate for colleges anywhere in an eight, 10 hour drive, we had to answer the question, what are the opportunities? Where can I invest my life? And will I enjoy living in Memphis? And as we were telling them about how much they would enjoy living in Memphis, um, we just were hitting, fitting, you know, filling this big void where people couldn't find all these things right right here in town. And so, um, and really have kind of accidentally become this rallying cry and banner for people to kind of stand under. Um, And, and it's, it has become really big JB and, and, and honestly, um, you know, almost every single day it's, it's flattering and honoring or whatever, but someone walks up to me in public and, and usually thanks me or mm. says something nice to me about really what my team does day to day. You know, I mean, if, if, if I uh, didn't show up at the office ever again, choose nine one would keep humming, right. you know? Um, and so, um, but what I always try to tell people, uh, if I get the time to, and I try to say, and, and probably some people listening probably heard me say this before, but choose night one hasn't done anything mm. except put a megaphone and a spotlight on the people who are already doing the things. Yeah. Yeah. Memphians yeah. are already awesome and yeah. caring and loving and amazing. Memphis was already cool and, yeah. and gritty and, uh, and fun and had great restaurants and whatever, all we're doing yeah. is just putting a megaphone on those voices and a spotlight on those places, and we're just pointing out to people what is already true. Yeah,
0: and you didn't cre- didn't create a pride and a passion. You tapped into. Yes, right, exactly yeah. right. Like yeah. like
1: we we just gave people a place for them to collect. Kind of yes. back to that coal analogy, we took all these individual hot coals and put them in yeah. a place, and it's like, whoa, look yeah. at that fire, yeah. right? Oh. And that's what's really crazy with the hashtag, and that's one of the things that kind of kind – of, You know, is most interesting to me um, is that I think, and maybe somebody can find something different and send me a message or whatever, but I think we're the most used hashtag in the Mid South. Wow. And it's not even close. Um, You know, there's, it's somewhere around about a half million usages just on Instagram recently. And I think you take even the largest three Grizzlies hashtags and combine them, and they, and they don't. And so the way that people identify the things they're doing and mark this as a thing where you're choosing 901. Yeah. It's just so cool yeah. um, uh, to see people engage in that. And then obviously the t-shirts, yeah. um, you know, tens of thousands of t-shirts out there. And it's, I'm kind of like, Oh my gosh, we designed that shirt and that yeah. person's wearing that, whatever. Yeah. You're wearing one right now. <laughs> so, uh, and so it's just fun to see those around. And again, they already had pride. Yeah. They just needed the resource to show their That's pride, right. yeah. and and so uh, and and create this kind of identity around it. And and man, it's so fun uh, to see the optimism just shine bright. Yeah. And uh, and it's really really cool. We always say, you know, pessimism repels people, optimism attracts people. Yeah. And and we've just uh, helped uh, put a place where the optimistic voices can sing together. Yeah. And man, people just want to come around and sing with them. Yeah. So it's really cool.
0: That's awesome. Last question, uh just as you look ahead, uh, what are what are a couple things or one thing or t- two or three things about Memphis happening in Memphis right now, November 1st, 2018, you know, as you look at the next 3 6 12 18 yeah. 24 months that has you excited?
1: Well, I think um I Man, it's really exciting just to see what's happening in, in, in real estate around here. I mean, just mm-hmm. in general. And so, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun things happening there. And I think obviously a lot of people, whether they like it or not, their home values are increasing and uh, a lot of cool stuff there. And there's just a lot of thought about, you know, creating more density into that mm-hmm. space, which is going to make our resources more efficient and, uh, and a lot more people, you know, coming in to actually uh, help uh, be a part of. Uh, creating efficiencies in those kinds of spaces. And so, and I think that's going to lead towards, uh, you know, a stronger local tax base and a, str- a stronger uh, voting base and, and uh, stronger school systems and stronger all, all sorts of stuff when we just create more density. You know, yeah. that's one of the. if you look at us compared to the other 50 major cities in the United States, um, you know, there's two big things we wrestle with when we have the highest percentage of people on welfare of, and it's not even close, uh, and especially even like sister city like Nashville, where we are over 30 percent. They're like 11 yeah. percent. And that's a complex thing that we have to we don't blame. We have to steward. Yeah, you know, what yeah. I'm saying like, um, obviously, uh, we're here for a reason to help in that space. But the other thing is just our density. We're so spread out and so spread thin. And so as we become more dense as a community, uh, I think uh, that really helps with some of those things. So so those, that's really exciting just to see what's happening. And I just want to encourage anywhere you can, you know, convincing people to, to move in tighter, get closer, redevelop houses, all that kind of stuff, and keep moving on that on a big picture thing, um, you know, this is year 199 of Memphis. Mm. So next year, Memphis turns 200 years old. May 22nd, uh, Memphis will be 200. And then November 23rd, Shelby County will be 200. And so uh, we're really looking towards this bicentennial uh, season of 2019, where it's exciting to think about Memphis, right? And to think, you know, that like Fellowship Memphis has been here for 15 years yeah. of that, seven and a half percent of that whole yeah. time, you know, uh, we've had Fellowship Memphis here and some of these other things. But, um, but um, we got 200 years old and really starting to think through is like, yes, there's some things to celebrate in the past. And yes, there's some things to, to look back and go, Wow, we came through some hard seasons, or wow, we uh, really accomplished a lot as a community. Um, but what we've been saying a lot, and how we kind of branded it, this whole thing is thinking about our, uh, you know, the next century of soul, wow. and really believing that, you know, what's unique about Memphis is it's so soulful—not just yeah. in the music, and not just how good the food is, but that our, our souls care, and our souls hurt, and our souls are passionate, and our souls are artistic, and our and our souls, you know, uh, really are dying to come together you know and so um and so we think about our next century of soul and how soul is going to thrive and how it's going to affect the rest of the world uh like we have been the last couple of decades and so i get really 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 excited about that um next memorial day of 2019 memorial day weekend uh that saturday there's going to be a huge party and um and uh but it's really more of a a, a year long kind of celebration of launching into this next century of soul and so i'm just looking for more and more people to really realize where this are and kind of mark this moment um, that we see so often obviously in scripture where you know you see these moments kind of marked and i think as a community we should mark this moment really well celebrate the past um you know remember things from the past but really believe more than ever, and I, I truly believe this, that our best century is ahead of us. Yeah. I don't know if that's true of a lot of our sister cities. Like, I don't know if I'd look at Dallas and say, the next century is going to be the right. best century for Dallas. Yeah. This this last century is probably their best century. Yeah, right? yeah. That may have been true for Atlanta as well and Houston. Um, but Memphis, I truly believe the next century is going to yeah. be the best century. And, and I believe that we're prepared for something really, really, really great, even though we've already had some great centuries yeah. as well. And so I think it's going to get better, and, and I'm really excited to celebrate that. And I'm hoping that our city really rallies around uh, creating that space. And everybody comes uh, to the big party May 25th. Uh, um, uh, downtown to celebrate the next century of soul
0: awesome looking forward to that well thanks man thanks for uh, rising and grinding every day and fighting to make our city a better city and appreciate all that you do thanks for logging uh, this episode with me on the grind and we'll see you soon